1: Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Guys, we got a bunch of new stories going around in the world of combat sports. I'm going to dive into some of them on today's show. Coming up, the fight we've been talking about for years. Paul versus Fury is finally here, and it looks like it's actually going to happen. Plus, I got an inside scoop on Hazmat Shemaev. Conor McGregor got drunk at the Tough House. I'm going to get to all of that and more, but I want to begin right here. Islam's mom has made a statement to Islam, which is your champion, I'd like you to retire now. Khabib retired because his mother asked him to, when are you going to listen to your mom? That's a quote, all of that was a quote. Hmm, should we be, should we be worried about this? I, I mean, I hear so many excuses, all the time. Why somebody doesn't want to fight. They're not real. They're scared. That's okay. But for some reason, it's not okay to admit I'm scared. As a matter of fact, I'm so scared and so fearful, it's going to stop me from even doing this. That's not all right. So you see a version that gets you to the same conclusion, which is your ass outside of the cage. And you're really just searching, right? Because you're making your excuse. You're taking your stand or lack thereof in the presence of other guys who've had to tell a similar lie to convince the same people or know that someday they're going to have to lie to convince the same people. So now you get, you get liars that get good at lying. This is different. This is mom. Would you like to feel that one? if you're in front of Islam right now, the world's watching a couple of microphones and you're going you're to question him. Are you going to interrogate him like the FBI? Are you going to be a little bit more sensitive because it's his mom? Are you going to be a little bit more sensitive or are you going to concede to the point of, yes, you should probably listen to your mother at some point, right? I mean, it's a really tough one. Who amongst us doesn't believe that we should listen to our mom? Who amongst us As one of three pieces of advice that they could give to the next generation, possibly even their own kin, that wouldn't be on the list. Listen to your mom. It's a hard one, guys. You know in sales, the salesman's ready for everything, right? Doesn't matter what you're selling. You could be selling suits. You could be selling houses. You could be selling cars. It doesn't matter. There's training before the customer's ever there. There's training, there's workshops, there's courses, there's role play, so you're ready for whatever it is they say. And I was told by a wonderful salesman, oh, one of these top guys, you nobody know used to sell? timeshares. You know that you get that flyer in the mail? For $99, you can spend a week all-inclusive, blah, 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 and it's real. You go there, and it's a beautiful resort requirement. You must come to one of these classes while you're there. And that's where they just make you the pitch and try to sell you a timeshare. Think of how hard that would be. That's a multi-billion dollar business for people like my friend who could handle anything. No matter what you said, I don't have the money. I don't like the place. I'm too busy. Whatever you said, he had a retort. Except one thing. He told me the only retort that a salesman does not have a response to is when the prospective client says to him, I need to go pray on it. As soon as that guy brings God into this thing, there is no retort that feather salesmen, fellow salesmen and experts don't believe is blasphemy to some degree. And you know what? This might be the I need to pray on it moment of MMA. My mom said, It's a very interesting point, coming from a culture where we know how respected and respectful they are of their parents. I've never known the complete relationship between Islam and Khabib. Islam's father is very involved in the sport, Islam said as much in the same interview. His mother supports him, but has never watched a fight. And not just his fight, she's never watched anyone fight, she doesn't like to see people hit one another. Now, the relevance that I got from that that I didn't know about Islam is he's got mom and dad in the house. I just didn't know that. Islam is so close with Khabib. I think that I thought that Mr. Namago Radoff raised them both. I didn't know it was was, was two nuclear families and they became... There was rumor out there for a while that it was a cousin situation just with different last names. My point is, can you get around that? Can you get around than my mom. Oh, and by the way, if you're wondering what he said to his mom when his mom said, Khabib listened to his mom, why can't you be more like Khabib? Or when are you going to do like Khabib? Islam told her, well, Khabib defended his belt five times. So, you know, I've, I'm, I'm going to work on defending mine. But he didn't tell her no He tell her we can't rehab this conversation and say, it's not clear where you stand. My mom told me to stop fighting. And we've heard all sorts of excuses, guys. We've heard all sorts of excuses. Dana's job is a promoter, right? What would Dana say? What would Dana say? Because Islam and Islam tells me the th- same thing that at one point Khabib said, which is, I'm done. Hey, why are you doing? Do you- why? Why? I got money. I got opportunity. What do you mean I'm done? You know, it extends to my mom. And here's what she wants. Like, it's a tough spot. It's not one that I'm in a position right now where I'm coming out and telling you guys we're about to lose Islam, Islam's about to be done, but with a certain degree of success, I feel pretty confident in telling you we're going to lose Islam, Islam's done. I mean, everybody has to leave the sport for some reason. Unless you're George St. Pierre or Lennox Lewis, you leave it flat on your back and embarrassed. But there is exceptions... Khabib didn't stay too long. He went out on top. We don't see that very often, but it's kind of cool when we do. Islam has now made some kind of a statement and it was enough of a barter that he thought he should bring this information to us. Now, what exactly is Islam telling us? It's probably open for interpretation, but I know what my ear's heard, which is, I'm not sticking around here until I get thrown out or I get beat out or I get taken out. I have goals and objectives, much like my mentor could be. And once I meet those goals and objectives, I will be done. If you can find someone to beat me before them, more power to you. If you don't, I'm going to be done. What do you guys think? Can you argue? Are you good enough? Can you argue around Islam listening to the wishes of his mom. Drunk Conor McGregor at the tough house. Video slipped out. I'm trusting you guys saw it. He he made it. It was like with his own phone. He's leaving the tough house. He's stumbling around drunk and says something. I couldn't quite make what it was, but he laughs and he does this giggly thing. Like people are different kind of drunks, as you well know. Sometimes you get the nice drunk, sometimes you get the violent drunk, right? Heard about those kids that gotta grow up and dad comes home, gets a little hand happy, can't remember what he did in the morning, but mom's got a black eye. So there's different kinds of drunk. Connor appears to be really weird. Getting drunk appears to make Connor really weird. But what do you guys think about that? Like like as a drunk Connor McGregor Stumble around the tough set interest you. I won't be mad at what your answer is. I'm just asking. I've never felt that they go hand in hand. Now, to tell an adult that he can't drink when he's following the laws, you know, being at home and not driving, it's a little bit weird to do, but commingling sport with some kind of substance abuse. I just think it's weird. I mean, I remember I had a broken heart. I was not a basketball fan. I did not. It wouldn't have wowed me for Michael Jordan to walk in. But I do remember the first time I saw him with a cigar in his mouth. And I remember how disappointed I was. I mean, I was, I was disgusted. I was so disappointed. I was just a little boy. I was in the fifth grade. And then Jordan did more and more and more interviews of, of, of him with the Stogie. And it was just so contrarian to what I had been told that an athlete does. I was told a good at would not smoke, does not go down that route, does not give in to peer pressure. All these things that Jordan himself was not able to resist in the photo that I saw when I was only 10. And I've seen things like that. There was something, there was something one week ago with Patrick Mahomes. Do you guys remember this? I mean, this made like big news. And it had to do with the celebration parade, but it had to do with him drinking. It was like 10 or 11 in the morning, there's a parade going on, he's drinking, and and people caught it. And he was celebrating, and Tom Brady even backed him up. Hey man, go get sauced, go do your thing. You're having a party. But it doesn't really go together, it truly doesn't. The stories that you hear that we've never seen footage of, it of Sakuraba smoking in his locker room after a warm-up and just before his fight. Like, they're, they just don't go together. And when you find it, it's a little bit disappointing. I didn't think it was the world's best idea, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe you don't have a show if you didn't do it, but, but on season one of The Ultimate Fighter, right, when these guys are drinking their party and that's where the cameras come, the show ended up being more of the reality part of reality show than it was about the competitiveness of the toughest term in all sport, which you're documenting. Like, like, whoever the producer was or director was, thought there was an angle there. I don't begrudge him for it. I will just tell you, I don't think that was the image. I mean, these are athletes. It's about hard work and sacrifice, right? I watched Slap go down the same road. On day one, he'd bring these guys out. Well, this could be really interesting. You could have doctors and lawyers and developers. I mean, you could have a really interesting field that is doing the sport but they went out of their way to let us know that's not what we've got in the sport. We we, we don't have those kind of people here. They just kind of went out of their way to remind you and let you know what this demographic was about. And I I feel as though if you're going to be drunk Connor, you shouldn't be drunk Connor in a mentor position over at the tough house. They don't need to see you that way. It doesn't matter who the guy is. If he's coaching you, he's not one of you. It does not matter. It doesn't matter if he's older or if he's younger, if he's plenty experienced or his first day. If he is the coach, he is now not one of you. He does not come over drunk when you're all sober. He does not get drunk because you're all getting drunk. He doesn't show up drunk at all. He gets back to his house. He puts his phone down and he does that in the dark of night, like a responsible person. I'm just sharing what do you think of a drunk Conor McGregor stumbling around the tough house? What part of that do we see as uh, mentorship? What part do we start to judge Conor and say, okay, then you're not taking this serious? And there is, there is a level of that. Sure, we saw Mahomes drink. I'm sure Mahomes drank plenty, but they didn't show it to us until after the Super Bowl. So if you have Conor McGregor, who's returning from a leg injury with all sorts of rumors and scandal and reputation around him, and then he's openly coming and showing you, well, some of this stuff is true, because look at me. Look at me. I'm half tweaked. While over here to motivate the kids. I- I'm just suggesting for you. Do you like that? Is that a good thing? Would you like to see a drunk Conor McGregor? Should like to see Conor just having a great time in Vegas? Would you like to see that? Or would you like to see a guy who once held the moniker of pound for pound great taking in mentoring and giving to what could be the next generation? Maybe mine's boring. Maybe I'm too much of a hall monitor. Maybe I got this all wrong. But there was something when I saw Conor McGregor stumbling out of the tough house being a weird drunk. I mean, he, it was like he sang a song or something. I couldn't even understand. He couldn't even hold the camera steady. There was something about seeing him as a weird drunk, knowing that he was leaving that house. Right. Leadership 101 is not I come over and I put the troops in a tough situation, then I hit the door and go to a good one myself. That is not Leadership 101. Leadership 101 is when the troops are in a tough situation, I am in it with them. If you guys got to sleep here 13 deep with no entertainment, no booze, then I do as well. Not I come over, I have a good time, why you all don't. I tell you to take this serious and stay sober while I'm sauced, and then I leave to go back to my private McMansion. Before I get there, I go to the Bentley outside that's got a chauffeur waiting for it. It's it's not leadership. It's the opposite of leadership. And I'm wondering what you think about it. And when I saw the clip done, I trust there's a lot of people that were like a 10-year-old chale seeing Michael Jordan smoking a stogie for his first time and celebrating that, doing doing a sign of celebration. I've earned this, that you're probably going to find pretty disappointing. under more pressure, John Jones or Conor McGregor. And I'm talking about from a perspective of they're both returning. Regardless of why they were out, they're both returning. Conor McGregor and John Jones got something else in common, which is at one point in their respective careers, they were both ranked number one in the world pound for pound. So you're, you're not only just talking about somebody that's coming back. You're talking about somebody that's coming back. But what does back mean? I know people who've come back to sport. That means they're now doing that sport again. They're on the team. They're part of it. That, and it's a good accomplishment. It's not what these two got to do to come back. These guys got to become champions to come back. Otherwise, they didn't come back, right? That's what they left. They left being the best fighter in the world. So that's what they got to return to. And I just want to know, who do you think has more pressure? It's a very different situation. Here, let's break some of this down. Conor McGregor, right? And this timeline is very interesting. He accepts the coaching role on The Ultimate Fighter opposite Michael Chandler. Now, Conor's first experience on The Ultimate Fighter is a lot different than most coaches had. And perhaps I could only see this with my own eyes because I had been in his shoes, but Connor was not expected by the organizers of the event to come in and take that coaching role real serious, to become part of those young men's journey. He was not expected to do that. There would be 10 practices a week if you're on the ultimate fire between morning and afternoon, you got your days off, T- 10 a week. I'm sure the producers were hoping and possibly even made an agreement with Connor. That he appear at three of them. Just so we can get some B roll. We can use his name, we can do that, but we won't overwhelm you with this. You're a selfish fighter. We don't expect you one day to put on a jersey and be a selfless coach. Well, that's what he did. It's exactly what he did. Connor got into it. To everyone's surprise, maybe even Connor's. And next thing you know, not only is he only there three three days a week, he's at all the workouts, not only is he at the workouts, as the season went on, he's now running them hey, guys, bring it in. Let's go work on this. Give them a leg. I can remember, remember some balance drills that they did. Just sharing with you, it was different. And so when Connor came back on this one, it wasn't just about the publicity. Like he genuinely enjoyed that experience. And when he got back, Danny Rubenstein put out a message. Now, Danny, Danny Rubenstein is a top manager behind the scenes. So when Danny put this message out, I haven't asked Danny, but my guess is I'm pretty confident I'm right. It was Danny's own guys that got burned. So what Danny said had happened is three guys, and he stated their names in a tweet, have been removed from the Ultimate Fighter. Three guys, my guys, that I got there out there in Vegas, is how I interpret it, have been removed from the Ultimate Fighter so that three of Connor's personal guys can be put on. Now, I got to tell you, I could stop right there because I see... I see nothing unusual about this. If Connor got in and then could spread it around a little bit or even use that as part of his negotiation, hey, look, I'll come, but I need a few of my own guys out there too. I want to just leave home for, for six weeks. So bring a few of these guys. There, that would be a very natural and very normal conversation to have. There would be nothing underhanded about it. You could see where Danny Rube would be worked up. If he had three guys that were told the same thing, went there, thought their lives were going to have the opportunity of ever being changed, and they got yanked. You could see where everybody would be bothered. but be very hard, at least from my perspective, to determine who was wrong in that situation. Okay. But it doesn't end there. That bothered Connor a lot. Not a little bit. It bothered him a lot that he stepped out. He stepped out to take all of this in and address it publicly. And Connor said, that is not true. I not only did not bring my own guys. And you can see where he might want to defend that because if he did have some guys, he doesn't want them to, like, you know, get, get painted with this uh, nepotism brush. He wants them to get recognized for working hard, sacrificing, and finally being part of this. Okay, great. That, that could be a little bit of a motivation. But moreover, Conor even said this. It wasn't just that I didn't bring my own guys. I never had anything to do, or would I, with getting three other guys that had an opportunity, having that taken from them. He did not want that. He did not want that out there. He stepped aside from coaching. He went to the meet. He told him this one thing, it bothered him that much. So, whatever the confusion is there, okay, fine. Connor went a little bit further in this and he said, I'm just trying to get my own name back in the mix. Okay, great. Stop everything. Stop everything. That was an extremely rare peek behind the curtain. That was probably even a mistake. Probably something that Conor swallowed real deep and thought, I shouldn't have said that. I wished I wouldn't have said that. It was a very rare look behind the curtain. Red paint night is still real. The biggest star in this sport is still real. The opponent of this guy is going to make more money then than he ever has in his career. Those things are still real. And Conor said, I'm just trying to get my own name back out in the mix. And there's a lot of truth to that. There's a humility that comes with that. But it's not anything that Connor has ever said before or that he would say. And I do think that you got a quick look behind the curtain. But now I just think we found it. Now, Now we have our answer what this is about. Now we have our answer of does Connor understand that being out with an injury? Does he understand that? Returning after, right, that it matters, that it affects it, that you're not a shoe in, that just because you had multiple world championships and this guy does doesn't mean if you guys meet up now that everything's going to be cool in the game, right? But it's just, a, 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 yes, it looks like Connor gets it. So now his reason for coming back, I just, I think it's a little bit different. I think that you start to have a better understanding. Now let's just juxtapose that with John Jones's. John Jones came out. And it's very tough, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not proclaiming for you that John knows us the truth. I, I just am proclaiming for you that if you read something and you got it from John, you don't know if it's the truth. You just simply won't know. He comes out and he does an interview and says, I wasn't scared. It's talking about being at 205 pounds. He wasn't scared anymore. Quit watching tape on these guys. Quit staying up late at night worried about these guys. He wasn't scared. He said, so I wanted to go up to heavyweight where I could get that fear back. And I wasn't happy with what I was being paid. All right, boom. (laughs) Why did you just say that? I mean, does he think that we forgot what he said three years ago when he left? Does he think we forgot that he never mentioned fear and watching tapes? I mean, right? Why not just say I wasn't happy with what I was getting paid? I don't know. Right? There's a certain way that you want to look, but I still would bring it to you that there could have been a glimpse of truth in that. There could have been something there that had a little bit to do with your motivation. But it's, it, it's very different when you reveal what Connor revealed, which is this is a community that I identify with. And as the separation of competition, as the injuries, as age, as title opportunities, right, as these things get further and further, I get further away from my community. And I want Back into the club. I want to remind the club that I'm part of it. I'm one of the boys. That's that's Connor's message here. Some interpretation by me, but that's where I'm at with that. And I know what a powerful motivator that would be. You have John's situation that, which is still about public perception. I don't think that John said anything wrong there at all. I just don't know why he had to add the, oh, and I wasn't happy with my pay. It was all about the pay, right? There was a mistake made. There was a mistake made. He didn't understand where life was going to go. He didn't understand how some of the the judgments and court systems and things like this are going to work. He didn't understand what money was going to get in different directions. He thought he had enough money. He turned out he didn't. Haven't we all made that mistake? I mean, haven't we at some point all made that mistake? He thought he had more money and he misplayed. His level of influence and power within the industry. He thought he was going to be able to put a foot down and everybody go, okay, wait, he's serious. And it was just one of those situations. So now he's going to return. I guess he's scared of Surreal Gun. Am I supposed to interpret that? You're you're scared of Surreal Surreal Gun, who's one and one in his last two, and called you the goat, and basically was drooling when asked about you. You're scared of him. I'm I'm open to hearing that. Fair enough. What part? What is it that you've seen Surreal Gone do that you haven't seen other opponents do? Like, what part of that is fearful? I would personally be interested in that. I don't have to know. But it is two very different approaches, right? Make no mistake. Regardless of what's said, it's a money play on one. And make no mistake, whatever's said, it has nothing to do with money on the other. So which motivation do you think is more valid? And between those two athletes and their story and their return, who do you think is dealing with more pressure? This is what we call paying it off, right? In the business, this is an insider term. But... I set you up for something or you guys teed me up for something. I got to come back and it's paying it off. So I'm going to pay something off. I'm going to pay something off to a viewer who found me on Twitter and said, "Chill, go make a video about this right now. Oliveira is going to fight Benny. Now, I told you guys that. I told you this last week and I told you that I inside scoop, it was Hans. Hans found this and he shared it with me and I came and shared it with you. But I was light on it. I credited Hans, but one of the reasons I credited him is I was I was stick I was also sticking it on him in case it wasn't true. Charles Oliveira was just on camera two pay-per-views ago. He just did a media tour that they flew him to a different country to do. He didn't say a word about this, and that was why I thought maybe it's not real. He also sat in the front row and Benny DeRoos did not. Generally, if you bring in the, the A-side, you bring in the B-side. There was just a couple of things that happened where I thought, I don't know that I believe they're going to do this fight. And nothing more over the fact that that would clearly be your number one contender's fight. If you're going to fight at 155 pounds and it's not for a world championship and it does not involve Benny DeRoos, you have a big problem. you got a big problem. How are you going to get a guy like me to come out and tell a story about a number one contender that isn't Benny I believe Benny has won eight in a row now. I believe Oliveira will be number nine. If I'm wrong, he's got seven banked and this will be number eight. But the point is, there's nobody on the roster that has that many. Straight. But didn't get a title shot. And that's literally. I don't just mean the guys right now on those streaks. You will not find anybody on the roster. It could be five years ago, guys. There's nobody on the roster. Just to say this again that has as many wins in a row as Benny and did not receive a title shot. So, okay, we get the point that we're going to have to give Benny the title shot. Or, or we give him a fight quick enough that that could even serve as the number one contenders and we just move Islam down the road. As of right now, It still appears obvious. I don't know if we have a fight more obvious for a number one contendership than Oliveira versus Darouche. It's just tough to call it a number one contenders match in case Charles wins, right? That's where things get tough. Who do you think the number one contender should be? You Benny, okay, great. But Benny has to go do with this. So Benny with the victory, Benny with the victory. Okay, so not this fight, Benny with the victory. Okay, great. So it's Benny with the victory, and uh, if that doesn't, then we're going to look at uh, Gaichi, right, Fitzayev, as long as it's Fitzayev. So if Fitzayev wins and Benny wins, one of those guys can go on. I mean, that's what we're doing, correct? And I think everybody's going to look around and say, yeah, that's correct. Okay, probably just solved it. Or there, of course, is another option, which is we can't give Benny to Islam because Islam already has a fight, that is an outside chance. I'm not bullish on that, but the way that this sport is being ran in Q1 of 2023, much like it was done through all the quarters of 2022, is unlike any other time in this industry. UFC in 2019, it was nothing like UFC 2022. So I bring that to you because there is a chance that Volkanovski and Islam are going to fight and that announcement hasn't been made. It would not have been built like a standard rematch. But neither was Adesanya and Pierre part two. It is not built like any rematch. But neither was Leon versus Usman part three. It's a different time. So? I mean, your options aren't great. How likely do you think it is that Volk is going to rematch Islam? You, you probably don't think it's all that likely. How likely do you think that it is that the one guy in your division that's going to get punished is your current champ in Islam and he's going to have to wait to, to figure out who a contender even is? See how that fight goes, sees what the return is, do the negotiation, go through the training camp, I mean, you're, you're going to sit a guy for six months? For what? For just having a top 10 pay-per-view? You don't bench a guy, you don't make a guy wait that just brought you a top 10 pay-per-view. That guy did a good job, you get him back to work. But these are still your options. Is he fighting Volk and they haven't announced it yet? Or is he forced to wait while they find the right full contender as long as the matches go the way we want with Fitzayev or Darush? All right, I got some inside scoop for you. So, Hosmet Chemaev was offered a fight with Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa offered a fight with Hosmet Chemaev. That's a big deal for a number of reasons. First off, I feel if you, the MMA world, write a poster, just drops one day, you've got the announcement and the date, I feel as though that's going to spring off the page. And I think a number of things would be accomplished with that match that don't even need to be said. For example, whoever wins is going to go fight for the belt. Chemayev could come out of the rankings at 170 if that fight was to be announced. He would then be a middleweight, and that would start to put a lot of pieces into place. I mean, it really would start to open up some opportunities that we might be having at 185 pounds, but also a little clarity at 170. Right? I mean, you you got some earners down there. You got Colby Covington's about to poke his head up soon. You got Burns scheduled to take on Mosval. You got Blaha Muhammad that's just not going to be ignored. Oh, moreover, in three weeks of the world title being contested in that fight, who's going to be there? Who's going to show up? Who's going to sit in the front row? Who's going to come out and make their claim that they should be next? We'd have a lot more clarity if we knew that person was not going to be Chemayev. So this would be big information. Now, they don't have an agreement on the fight. I got to leave it at that. I got I to be a little loose. Like I can't tell you who's not the one that's interested in this. I'm just sharing with you. They don't have an agreement coming on that fight. Now, the UFC will likely float an idea out there. They get swatted away. There used to be a policy. This would go back to about 2011. But it was Joe Silva's policy, which is that anyone, no matter who you are, anyone on the roster can turn down the first fight I offer him if you just don't let you can turn it down. Now, you can't turn down the second. It was a very good policy because now, now you got a real gamble, right? If you're turning a fight down, it's never for the reasons you come out and tell the public, oh, he and I are friends. Oh, he's a Southpaw and I'm orthodox. It's, it's none of that. just things you say. You're scared of the guy. That's a terrible... Ma- he will beat me. So sidestep it. The problem is, you probably got more than one guy in the bracket that you feel that way about. So if you sidestep this one, you could... I mean, you see where this game starts to come, but you also see it from Joe Silva's perspective. It's a very effective way to get business done moving forward. So I don't know that u s c UFC still has that today, but probably, probably something along those lines where if this idea was floated and it was the first one and either guy balked at it, it, would move right into something else. I, I mean, I saw something yesterday, uh, speaking of Paulo Costa, oh, it was Paulo himself, he called out Sean Strickland. Even had a date, was in April, wants to fight him. Sean Strickland responded, of course, saying yes, and it was great. Sean Strickland's response, he he told him yes, he accepted it, and there was something else, he put it there, and then at the end of it, just to be a dick, Sean Strickland wrote, but we'll find somebody that can read you this comment, or we'll find someone that can read you the contract. Whatever it was, it was just like this unnecessary roughness that you come to expect from Sean Strickland. It was great. The whole thing was great. Those two start going at it. It's going to be a really wonderful thing. I'm just sharing moreover for you the fact that Chimaev is even being offered. That He's being discussed at that weight. And then, because I I don't think you'll go back to 85 if you're ever returning to 170. Go to 170, it, we're going to have to keep playing this. Well, is this next fight going to be at 185? If he goes to 185, I don't think he'll ever come back to the point that I think we'll take him out of the rankings. I think we're going to have a massive clarity. But have also sent out a tweet. He said, I will see you all after Ramadan. And Ramadan extends this year. I looked it up, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but it extends a little bit. So maybe that's why he's been a little bit quiet. Maybe that's what he's waiting for. I mean, right? It's it's all speculation by me. I very much appreciate the piece of information that I shared with you guys. The UFC, not just somebody, not a manager, not a guy. The UFC himself has made a decision to go after that match to the point that they have contacted those guys and let them know we'd like to do that match. I'm talking about Paulo. talking about Shemayev. Because of what it would mean for the rest of the division, and even for the future of Chimaev, And guys, don't forget, we haven't been told what Paulo Costa is going to do next. Don't forget that piece of the story. Where we left off with Paulo Costa was about seven weeks ago, and he was asked to fight Robert Whitaker. And as a matter of fact, it had been announced he was going to fight Robert Whitaker. And Paulo came out and told everybody, I have not said yes to that. And he expanded that. It had something to do with the contract. He wanted something worked out, right? I mean, sing song, different verse, right? We've seen this before, but I'm just reminding you, that's where we left off. We never got resolution to that. Should we believe that that has been resolved? Should we believe that Paul is happy? Should we believe that he's got a contract and an extension? Should we believe that that is yesterday's news? Or are we gonna get in the middle of doing a back and forth and find a fight that we really want? Whether that's Sean Strickland, whether it's Hosmet Shemaya, whether some, some other name comes in there, we're gonna find a match that we really want. And that's when Paulo's going to remind us, by the way, I'm still not I'm still not locked in. I don't have the answer to that. I'm sitting over here waiting for it the same as you guys. So let's see where that goes. it's a really tough spot, isn't it? It's a really tough spot. I told you the UFC likes this idea. Great, I bet you guys did too. Whoa, Jemiah versus Paulo Costa. I bet you liked it too. And then I said, Paulo Costa versus Sean Strickland. And now you're sitting here going, wait a minute, <laughs> right? You go, wait a minute. Those are two really good options, Shale. Can I get back to you? Yeah, maybe. There might be some time, but for right now, you're welcome. Tommy Fury versus, that's not right. What is this guy's name? Tommy Fury. That is his name. I had it right. Let me take it on Jake Paul. Now, I got asked by my producer, Ryan, to give a prediction for this fight. And I I will happily do that. In fact, I can even lead with it. Jake Paul beats him. Now, I'm not overly interested in that. I like stories. A story is being told, right? I don't know that I like boxing as much as I like stories about boxing. So, which represents absolutely everybody. Okay. But what is going on here, guys? What is actually going on? And I think we could have some real fun between now and bell time. If we put on our detective caps and we went back and forth as a community to start to figure out the pieces, because it's in front of us, we're just missing it. We're just missing it. Why is Jake fighting Fury? Why? And all of the the usual guesses that you could have. I mean, at one point in the story, before Eddie Hearn came out and made sure to take this away from Jake, it had to do with Jake taking on an actual boxer, right? Eddie made sure to come out and let the world know that's not our representative. But I'm just sharing with you, it had some of the motivation at some point. Make a few boxes always fair to throw on your list, sure. Sure. But be a little hesitant before you tell me personal grudge. And I think that most people are going to start with that. I'm I'm not sold on that. I'm not sold and they might have had me except for the rush order put in to get these two in the ring. That is the only part that has me sitting back and going, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Something else is going on here. I don't know what that something else is. That's what I'm asking you. Let's let's talk because we could figure it out. We could get real close. There is no plan. There is no checkers move for Jake or Fury by having Jake fight Fury. By example, we don't have Anderson Silva sitting in the front row, and the whole reason we're going to do the fight is so that Anderson can then get in the ring and do a face off for the rematch. It's it's not like that, or is it? or is it? Who's checked aviation from Stockton anytime this week? I mean, what is that guess? How did Francis get all the way out there across the pond in a room with 91,000 people and nobody took a picture or tweeted out or leaked that he was there and he got into the ring? With the other Fury. I mean, that was one of the great secrets kept in our sport. I'm just wondering, is there something going on here now? Because if you're trying to convince me that Jake and Tom just got to fight each other, no, they don't. Nobody's calling for that fight. They do have a little bit of a personal grudge. Yeah, sure, they do. But I don't think, I don't even think that Jake would want to do him this favor after the scumbag move that Fury pulled in New York. Not to mention, Jake's already got a contingency plan known as Mike Perry in case Fury doesn't show up in the very first place. Like, right, there's a lot of things here that do give the appearance that the importance is the match, not the participants that are in the match. And I'm just wondering what it would be. I feel as though we're on the eve of getting a very big announcement. Or at least these two believe it's a big announcement. I don't believe the rings and the camera and the buildup and the promotion. I do not believe that is all being done so we can finally get an end to the pugilistic debate Of Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. I I don't believe that. There is something else at play here. And this is going to serve as a marketing, as an advertisement, as a photo op for that. And what could that be? What could it possibly be? I gave you an example earlier of Anderson Silva sitting in the front row. But okay, let's keep playing that. Floyd goes and does spoof shows with these guys be Jake versus Floyd. I don't know. Logan versus Floyd didn't do all that great. No, it's probably not. Floyd's always got to be considered. Roy Jones's name keeps coming up, but that doesn't seem to be the one that anybody wants to call for a quick cash out. Plus, I think Anthony Pettis has him reserved. So you would have your very likely suspect of Nate Diaz, but that's only if you were going in the direction of who is Paul going to face next. What if that's the wrong direction, guys? There's a rumor out there that Francis Ngannou has signed with MVP. I don't believe that rumor, but I don't have quite enough to dispute it. And if the rumor is true, they haven't made their announcement, and it would be a great camera marketing Photo opportunity for Francis to be there, Jake to make the announcement, and maybe he even squares something up as far as it has to do with the PFL situation. I do not know. I do not know what direction we're going in. I just think, as you're looking forward to this fight, you want to know who's going to win that fight. Jake's Jake, Jake's going to win that fight. Fury's going to run from them, though, right? I mean, it's a very different fight, and, and guys do guys that are scared to fight are known to do this. They just eat up time. Right? If I, if I can make it three rounds instead of getting knocked out in the first, that's a win for me. If I can make it the, the entire distance, even if I don't win a single round, but I stay in time, mean, it's just the way that it goes. Fury doesn't want to be here. Paul does. Paul's going to go after him. I don't know if Fury's going to engage enough to get knocked out. If he engages like a normal fight, he will get knocked out, but I don't know if he will engage that much. You're likely to have a snooze fest. I'm just sharing for you. You would be missing what this is about, of which I don't know. This is a ploy for something. This is to bring in the audience, to give a message to that audience of something that they at least deem is big. So whatever could that something be? All right, guys. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. We got another packed weekend of fights. Krylov and Span are squaring off in the UFC. Bellator Dublin has just as many big names. Plus, like I said, Jake Paul taking on Tommy Fury. Enjoy the fights. Come back on Tuesday for some more analysis from me. Until then, I'm Chael Sutton. and you are welcome.